Good morning, church. My name is Caleb, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Desert Springs. And my name is Chandler Ross, and I am a licensed therapist that practices in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, Chandler and I have been friends for too long, I think. (laughs) Uh, Many, many years. Since 2003 or 4, I think, is when we met. Coming on plus 2, plus 10. And... um, Chandler and I met at an interesting season of our lives. Uh, I actually started attending Desert Springs in about 2001. Uh, Prior to doing that, I was uh, a neo-Nazi skinhead, and I turned from that and turned towards Jesus. So those early 2000s were a really weird phase, awkward phase for me as I was trying to figure out who Jesus was, and you're also weird. I am also weird. And um, awkward. And awkward, and I, I was intersected at Desert Springs around 2003, um, uh, drug addicts. I've been in recovery and, and um, pursuing recovery brought me out to Phoenix. I was in a halfway house. Uh, former pastor here invited me into this place and um, we're going to talk about feelings today and I was having a lot of feelings down there. I was getting a little misty, cutting onions of that um, the home the Desert Spring was to me um, during what I think was maybe my second most awkward period of life of trying to do life on life's terms um, without drugs or alcohol, um, and the permission and invitation Desert Springs gave me to be myself and celebrate my gifts, and it also wasn't about my gifts. This was just a place that I could come and be myself and make mistakes, and I've danced on this roof. I've made amends to church leadership. Um, I have lived a very full life at Desert Springs, um, and I'm very grateful for it. He's not joking. <laughs> He'd literally danced on the top of the worship center, and that's why our insurance is high still. <laughs> Uh, as Chandler mentioned, we're, we are going to talk about uh, our emotions, our feelings. We're in the middle of a sermon series called On the Mend, and at Desert Springs, we have hard conversations. We believe that Jesus transforms every aspect of our lives, and there's not a corner of our life that we don't intentionally strive to lean into and, and to invite Jesus into, and, and our encouragement um, to you is to let Jesus into those uncomfortable places, those difficult spaces, and those difficult conversations. And we know that over the last year, uh, a lot of the fractures in our relationships have been exposed. Uh, We actually took up a big swath of carpet just to expose our foundation here at Desert Springs in our worship center. And if you look closely, you can see that there's a ton of fractures. And the last year, year and a half has exposed fractures Uh, in many of our lives, and we are talking about in this series how it is that we go about mending those broken relationships, and uh, the reason that Chandler and I are going to do this week and next week together, so this is kind of part one, next week will be part two, and then on June 2nd, we're actually going to host an online workshop to do some practical coaching on mending broken relationships, and so just as you're thinking and hearing uh, thinking about and hearing what we're talking about, if, if maybe there's some specific coaching or, or mentorship or even some counseling uh, that our church family or one of our partners here in the Valley can provide, please uh, do let us know. You can use the uh, Next Steps cards in the back of the seat in front of you. For those of you that are online, you can simply type it into the chat and just uh, let the host know that you'd like to learn more. Uh, but we are all about equipping you to the best of our ability to have those hard conversations and those reconciled relationships. But the reason it's Chandler and I for this week and next week uh, is primarily because uh, I'm a licensed pastor. Mm -hmm. And what are you? I'm a licensed therapist. Okay, so I, um, you you can actually go online and for $10, Mm -hmm. 
you can get a license to be a pastor. Was that how easy it was for you to it, be a therapist? That was not my experience. Um, I had a different experience that involved um, three years of graduate school oh. um, and uh, a lot of interning um, and a lot of learning. Okay. Yeah. So you, had, you got credentials? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, just for the record, even though you can buy a pastor's license online, I did go to seminary, and I only cheated 20% of the time until I took our ethics class, and they were like, you can't do that. So uh, we also know that, a, uh, that, that in, especially in the kind of the circles that we run in, um, there, there is oftentimes a siloing of therapy and, and pastoral ministry. It's not that pastors and therapists are like, contentious against one another, but they just tend to be siloed. A lot of times one doesn't engage with the other, and especially in people's lives, you know, they don't see those two things crossing over. So we just wanted to uh, engage in this conversation together. This is a conversation, we're actually going to invite you in uh, to a conversation that Chandler and I have been having for uh, a long time, close to two decades, and um, a little bit about our journey. And our intention is to invite you um, to pursue uh, the type of um, conversation that we're having, and also to equip you with some practical tools for engaging with your uh, emotions. Now, um, one of the things, in, in, in Psalm 423, it says that the heart is the source of life, and so protect your heart, or keep watch over your heart. Um, in, in Psalm 139.23, the, the prayer of the Psalter is, search me, God, and know my heart. Know all things about me. And one of the things about us is that we are emotional beings. Uh, and if you just think about the levels of communication, right, there's different types of communications we have with each other. The first level is cliche. Uh, the second level is fact. And so if you go to like a party or something, you're generally starting the conversation at cliche and fact. Here's an example. It's hot outside. Mm, it is warm. Now, when we talk about, when we exchange facts, or you'll actually watch this, uh, a lot of uh, friends of mine do this, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll engage, and the thing that we're talking about is stats about football. And we're just, we're just engaging in facts, right? So there's cliche, then there's facts, then there's opinions. And opinions is a deeper level of vulnerability, like, I don't like that it's hot outside. Mm, me either. Right, and now we've connected, right? <laughs> but a deeper level than opinion is to share our emotions with each other. When it is hot outside, it reminds me of all of my epic fails in life because it was also hot when I failed. Yes. And I feel sad. You are being vulnerable with me. Right? Do you see how the different gradations, the different levels of communication open me up to a greater degree of vulnerability? When we talk about feeling, we're talking about a very deep aspect of ourselves. And then the deepest level of communication is we communicate about our needs to one another. And when we communicate about emotions, one of, the, one of the critical things that we need to keep in mind is that the majority, the majority, not all, but the majority of our broken relationships center around not facts, but center around how a person made me feel. When you did something, when you did that thing, when you said that thing, it made me feel a certain way. And Chandler, uh, you've mentioned to me, we often feel before we think. We're feeling beings. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so we are feeling beings. Um, there's primarily three brains within our brains. We've got a kind of the brain stem, which is blinking, breathing, all the automatic things you're doing without thinking about. Uh, you've got this front part of the brain that's like where kind of work lives, strategy lives, like called prefrontal cortex, executive functioning. And then sandwiched right in the middle um, is the limbic brain, 
uh, which is where feelings live, where purpose lives, where meaning lives. When you watch a movie and it, and it affects you when you hear a song and it stirs you, um, there's probably something firing in your limbic brain. Um, we live in a culture that really glorifies the front part um, and really ignores what's happening in this kind of sandwich level. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And if you think about the feeling before you think, um, if you've ever had a very scary moment um, and you've just reacted, um, this is a way that God designed us of where you think later, like, how did I do that in my, in my fear? It's, is your fear created a response um, to do something in the, in the moment, make a protection, grab a child? Um, and that's a perfect example of a time that we feel before we think. And you can also think about another time where somebody said something um, and you can feel it. You can have a somatic response in your body, like that, a feeling to, based off their words. It's another example of that might be occurring. Yeah, so uh, there was a time, actually two times in my life, I almost drowned. Uh, I'm not a great swimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when people start talking about, like, going to large bodies of water, I feel afraid. Like, I, I live in Phoenix, Arizona. The ocean is not near to us. And when people start talking about, like, let's go to the ocean, I'm like, nah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I immediately feel fear, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas they're feeling, like, delight and gladness. Like, yeah. let's go to the ocean. And I think this is a great example of how we have two things that are always going to intersect with feelings um, if we're human, which I'm pretty sure everybody in here is, which is our story. You know, my story around the beach is this is a family place, family trip. Um, it's, it's invitational. I get excited. So we have the same thing with the ocean, and his story is bringing up feelings in him, and, and mine's bringing up different, even though the content is the same. But we can experience depth if I tell the story with my feeling with him of like what it means for me to go to the ocean is totally different from what it means for him. Yeah. And so we're going to uh, just go through kind of three parts of this, looking at emotions as a gift, recognizing that a broken relationship starts with recognizing our own emotions, and then recognizing that engaging emotions is difficult. And throughout this week uh, and leading into next week, as well as the workshop, we would invite you to ask questions. And we're actually going to shape a little bit about what we do today and a lot of what we do next week around your questions as well as the workshop that's coming up on June 2nd. So if you can, uh, we can put it up on the screen. You can uh, go to this website and there's a l- just a brief little form. If you have a question, uh, even, a- even after our time together today, you have a question you want to ask us, we can maybe address it next week. Just go to that website. You can pull out your phone. For those of you who are watching online, you can open up a new tab and uh, fill that out. If, listen, uh, the, the way that our form works, if you'd like it to be anonymous, there's a spot where it's going to ask you for name and email address. Just put in John Doe and, you know, Caleb is handsome at gmail.com, mm-hmm. and we'll know that it's anonymous. I think mm-hmm. that'll be uh, helpful for us. Uh, one of the things that, that Chandler really has helped me to see as we've studied the Word of God together is that emotions are not something to, they're not bad. There's, they are a gift of God. God has uniquely given to us uh, emotions as a gift. And, and just real quick, I, I, th- this is kind of something that I think I always had in my, the back of my mind, but I just want to make it explicit. Jesus felt feelings. Like the one true perfect human felt feelings. In, in Matthew 26, 38, he felt alone. In Matthew 21, 12, he felt angry. In John eleven thirty three, he felt sad and on and on. Jesus felt feelings. Uh, there are entire books of the Bible, or portions of Scripture, I should say, where it is simply a, a person who's following after God, processing their emotions out loud in prayer before God. 
Many of the psalms are this. In fact, many of the psalms will run the spectrum of emotions, starting with fear and sadness and moving even into gladness. And so emotions are a gift. And I, I want to encourage you. I know that I'm tempted to say I'm not an emotional person mm. because I think my presumption is emotion makes me weak. I, I, would, I feel safer when we're operating like Spock. You guys remember Spock? Mm. Right? Pure logic. That is, that is to, for me to take that approach, to say I'm not an emotional person, I'm going to ignore my emotions or force my emotions aside. Uh, I've understood, um, it's through scripture, that, that I'm saying no to a gift of God. And so I want to encourage you, don't say no to God's good gift of emotion. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means. Uh, but Chandler, you, you've talked about, you've kind of recognized in your studies, uh, core emotions. Tell us about that. Yeah, so there's some core emotions um, and, and I practice out of a framework of about eight, and I think they might come up here on the, on the screen here, but uh, some people feel maybe limited in this, um, but you know, if we think about primary colors, you know, we combine these three colors and from them we get a spectrum of everything. If we think about notes in a scale from a seven notes, so we can create symphonies. Um, and so if we're willing and curious to kind of trace back what's going on in ourselves, um, a lot of times we find back it comes in these core emotions Sad, lonely, hurt, anger, fear, shame, guilt, glad. Ugh, those might be negative, um, but are they, you know? Yeah, talk to me about, like, shame is one of those things that, I mean, even, even as you're reading, and we've been talking about this for a long time, my flinch is like, oh, no, 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 shame's bad, like, always mm. bad. Talk to me about shame, like, how that works in our lives. Absolutely. So if we think about shame on a spectrum, you know, and it's in a slider scale. We got a big slide scale. Um, a lot of people, and this has my, been my experience practicing therapy, my, 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 uh, my experience being therapy practice on, like when I go to get therapy, is my experience around shame is usually a toxic shame. Um, it's the idea that I didn't do wrong, I am wrong, um, that I'll never be good enough. It's this hunger, this, um, this idea I can't really be vulnerable, and, and my response to that is, I'm not going to do weakness with Caleb. I'm not going to do vulnerability. I'm going to try to be perfect. Um, it invites me into perfectionism. It invites me into pride. And that's a lot of people's story around shame. And then if we move the slider into kind of more of the middle of a healthy shame, it's the reason that I close the door when I go to the bathroom. It's the reason that I have clothes on. It's my, when I meet one of you, it's um, not delving in and, and knowing, knowing boundaries and appropriations. Like I know where, where I end and you begin. And then if we push the slider down into the gifts of shame, I believe it's the emotional capacity for me to know who I am. Um, that when I talked about my experience at Desert Springs, that was a big part of me learning who I was. Um, and I wasn't perfect. Um, I was very human. I made mistakes here. And Desert Springs told me that you can make a mistake and you don't have to go away. You can make a mistake and it doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means you, you, you did wrong but it doesn't mean you are wrong. Um, and so I, through that, I get into this place of it invites me into humility, um, where I can know and rest in my strengths just as I rest in my, my weaknesses. I can't teach your children how to do algebra. Um, I am pretty good at helping adolescent teens and young adult men get in connection with their hearts. Um, and that is an expression in my life of, of, of a healthy shame, of a humility that I've been invited into. 
And the scriptures uh, frequently call us to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but rather think of ourselves with sober judgment. Mm-hmm. I think that that's where that fits within that space. And, and that my favorite expression of humility, and this comes from my time in 12-step recovery, is humility is simply an accurate appraisal of self. It's I'm not coming in low, I'm not coming in high, but I'm just coming in right here with everybody else. Um, yeah. And with those, those eight core emotions that you mentioned, right, that's just a helpful tool for us just to think through what it is we're feeling. It puts a name to a feeling. So maybe there are some of us who didn't like one of those words. Great, pick another word, but let it help you sell, uh, understand yourself. Like, what am I feeling right now? And be curious about the ones that you don't like. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of my work, again, with men, and I've got these feelings on the floor. I've got them on the wall. I'm constantly, what are you feeling in response to this? Um, and people's story will shape around there's usually a feeling that they're not willing to do and I'll sit with a man for six months and he'll never see sad he'll never see lonely and that's probably the one that he's guarded his heart against the most um, that and so he's not going to do so much that he's not even going to see so if there's a strong response with one of those words be curious about that in your story yeah that's good So the feeling is a gift from God, but it's not the end goal, right? Mm -hmm. Like the end goal is not be sad or be feeling fear. Mm -hmm. But that feeling, to be able to diagnose that fear, it's leading us somewhere. What is the fruit of or the product of uh, those healthy aspects of our feelings? There's a couple of different fruits. You know, we start with the awareness and acknowledgement that we're having them, which is a lot of the work. Um, And then we start to kind of play with them and fingerprint and be messy and like I'm experiencing this and... Um, then it helps me locate where I am. Like I, I can step off the, the ladder of our culture of like, how am I doing? I got to climb and achieve and I can know where I am in relationship to other people. Um, so that's a, r- a really good thing. And then also they just become nice little messengers that start to point me to what I need. Um, here's something that's um, I was really bummed to find out about needs. Um, I'm incapable of meeting my own. Now I can do survival. I can... Um, you know, kind of do that thing, but, but these true needs, these core needs, belonging, mattering, acceptance, um, those need to come from another that I do in relationship, um, and they also need to come with the relationship I have from God. Like, needs require me to bring my insides outside, tell the truth about my feeling, um, so that I can kind of get geolocated about what I need in relationship with people. Yeah, the scriptures are full of this. In, in Romans um, 12, it calls us to love one another deeply as family members. And it just speaks to this need for deep relationships. Hebrews 13, 1, let familial love continue on. Psalm 133, how delightfully good when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. It it speaks to the fact that we are made uh, for one another. We're made for a relationship with God. We're made for a relationship with each other. And that helps us to understand our relationship with our own self. Mm -hmm. So, what would you say, just thinking of a question here, and again, for those of you that like to submit questions, you can do so using the website up there. What would you say to someone who says, well, I, I only feel one of those things, like I am an angry person. I know I've said that. Like I think, I think less of all the other core emotions, but it, for me, I feel safe, I feel powerful when I'm angry. So I'm just an angry guy. Yeah, that was my experience of Caleb um, when I first got to know him, um, and it's been my experience of him since. Um, he was uh, angry then, and he's angry now, but um, going into more depth in the conversation we've had, um, when I think of anger, um, the healthy expression of anger, it's, um, it's a passion. You know, the, the etymology of that word is like, I'm willing to be in pain for this thing. 
And that is this man um, and his heart for the church. Like he has been willing to be uncomfortable for this thing, for what he sees, for what's out there. And that's a healthy expression of anger. Um, and then maybe some of the, the connotations that of, of his other anger I experienced, and, and we talked this through, I can talk about his insides up here, um, is, you know, he had an impairment, of two impairments. One, um, he was an angry man and he was also a hurt man. Um, he had wounds. And from those wounds, there, there came reaction, there came resentment, there came the way that he tried to protect himself from somebody getting into that place uh, of um, a t- tender place and where he protected. And he also had fear. Um, he, had, he had fear, and in his expression of fear, and, and he has fear today, I'm experiencing fear right now as I talk to you, um, is, and his, his expression of fear was an impairment, and it came out as a rage. Um, it's, and so just, bah, I, I gotta get out of here. Um, and so he, is, he was angry, he was hurt, and he was experiencing fear. And to the question of the people that come in that say they're not, um, they are. Um, we can hook you up to a brain scan, and we can kind of localize that, yes, that is happening within you. Um, and again, it comes back to most of the time we've shut down our feelings in response to our stories. Um, something has happened, and we kind of did a thing or, or, over, or the aggregate over a time of, I'm not going to be sad, you know? And I, I know for me in my story today, I didn't want to do sad. It's uncomfortable. And I've needed to do sad. Like living in recovery means you go to a lot of funerals of people that don't make it. And it wouldn't be loving if I went there and I didn't have deep sadness and grief in that moment um, for what was lost and what was missed. Um, just as I had the joy of experiencing that person um, when they weren't that way. Yeah. Yeah, in the scripture in Romans 12, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That, that shared, um, that, that solidarity that I'm going to lament with you uh, is a way to share those emotions with each other. Such a great description of like when we think about like how unhonoring it would be if I went to your funeral and I was with your family and I didn't weep for you. Yeah. P.S., when I go, I want gnashing of teeth, you know? I want people <laughs> wailing in the aisles, like, um, because that means that I loved well, and then I was loved, um, and I, I want the sadness and, and, and the joy of, of when I go. Yeah, I bet Chandler 50 bucks that I'm going to do his funeral. <laughs> probably will. So I will, re- I will make, a, I make a covenant to you today. I will rent my garments. <laughs> With sackcloth and ashes. Wonderful. And then um, Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, do not sin. And so you have this dynamic of that that, that being angry is not, I mean, that's just, it's kind of a go-to for me. And and I think Chandler's really helped me to see, like, there's, for every one of these emotions, there's the healthy thing that's happening, and then there's the toxic thing that's happening. And I, like, I'm literally wearing Hulk socks. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys can see it. Do you guys know who the Hulk is? He is the superhero who anger is his superpower, right? And so I, like, I glom onto that. He's not the most attractive, but he is the strongest in his anger. Captain America, I think, might have that one. So we see these emotions that, that, they're, that there's the toxic side and then there's the, the healthy side. And for me, one of the things that, that Chandler and others who've spoken into my life has helped me to see is when I get, like, angry or ragey, one of my go-to questions is curiosity. What's going on? What's going on with me, right? I'm, I'm tempted to think, why am I feeling this way? But you actually helped me with something. Yeah, so if you, th- you think about parenting and, uh, or any relationship, uh, why are you doing that? It's very accusatory. It, it, when you ask a 
when you ask a child that, they're immediately on the defensive. Um, they're having an experience um, of defensive. They're going into shame. It, it, it brings them into that kind of defensive place. But coming, if you've, if you've parented, for, with curiosity of, hey, what's going on with you, buddy? What's happening? What, you know, just like, what, it, it's so much more invitational. Um, and the curiosity is a great way to start um, when it comes to feelings because we do that to ourselves especially if we have a, a big relationship with shame of like, why? What's going on? Why, why is this person getting to me? Um, and, and be more curious of like, what's going on? Of like, oh, this really isn't about them. This is about somebody that was like that a long time ago. And when I'm around that, I feel these feelings. Um, I, I, I draw back. Yeah, that's right. So that curiosity... Um helps me self-diagnose, like, what's actually going on? Usually when I'm feeling ragey, that's not, I mean, the presenting problem is you Philistines. Um, <laughs> it, like, the presenting problem is someone has done something that I took offense with or said something or, or, right, or did something or, or cut me off in traffic or wrote me an email, right? And, and I, like, sometimes I'm inconvenienced, but sometimes I'm, like, flip the table over, like, hit my fist on the table and that hurts my knuckles, so mm-hmm. I've tried to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. But I've started to try to ask, uh, what, what is going on, right? What, what's up right now? What's, what's going on inside of me that I'm feeling this way? Where am I? Yeah. You know, like um, God's in Adam in the garden. He knew where he was. He was asking where his heart was. Where are you? Yeah. Uh, that's what feelings help us locate within ourselves. It's wonderful information about what's going on inside of our eternal experience and the internal experience I have will shape the way that I am with you, um, shape the way that I engage in relationship. So when we think about, uh, you know, feelings, we, we recognize that we have these broken relationships, and my temptation is to think that the, the problem is them. Mm-hmm. And you had some words for me <laughs> well, that the, I didn't want to hear. <laughs> pre, pre um, school and therapy, um, you know, I had another... Um, education, another learning, which was my 12-step recovery, Um, and there was some torturous words that I learned there that have also been really healing, and and it's three, it's it's not them. You know, what's going on um, is everything to do with me and my response and my side of the the street um, and how I I am in that, Um, and so that's this kind of invitation to, to check back in with myself before I immediately jump over the fence and start cutting somebody else's grass um, and I it, it invade somebody's boundary um, or I accuse because if I'm telling you it's about them, it's also like I'm not willing to do my heart with them. Um, it's about your heart. It's about your reaction. It's dividing. It's not inviting. Yeah, that's good. Now, how would you maybe nuance that a little differently if, if maybe it's an abusive situation where the other pu- person has done a, gr- a transgression or a great offense or abuse? Yeah, so there's some, you know, some safety, great question. There's some um, safety, there's some discernment. Um, a lot of times uh, our stories are around the people that have harmed us the most is, is, is our heart, is to, is to go, with, go with these people. And, and again, this invitation to go inside and check in with what's going on with us before we jump the fence and be with another, um, there's wisdom in that of this might be not be a safe person to do that with. They've, the data, like once I've checked in with myself and let me, and I know where I'm at, uh, the data around this person is that they've never said that they're, they're a safe place. They've never offered me another way to be in relationship. Um, so I'm going to have to do the thing I don't want to do again. I'm going to have to feel sad about that. 
um, I'm going to have to feel like lonely for the, the, the healing that, that can't, can't happen maybe right now. Um, but that's, that again, like geolocating what's going on in me gives me greater discernment about being able to say true discernment, not judgment, of this person right now isn't available to me in a relationship. Um, and I can do that very effectively when I process with others. Yeah. Um, that's good. And so my encouragement, I think Chandler's as well, would be process with others, right? A, a confidant, a counselor, a therapist, a pastor, just somebody to help process. I could tell you this much. Um, other people are not, like, excellent at diagnosing my heart, but you know who's even worse? Me. Because I'm in the thick of it. And in fact, with Chandler and I, there's, and, 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 and other, there's other close relationships I have in my life. When I process that out loud, and there's a commitment between us to, for, for my good, I feel safe giving that to Chandler. Uh, and he has permission then to say, from his perspective, what he's seeing. And that helps me to see it, right? The, the amount of times uh, that I've, I've, I really want to hang up the phone <laughs> with Chandler uh, is high. Because I don't, there's just times where I don't want to hear it. But what he's speaking to me is his understanding of what's going on, and there's other people who know. And so when, when all of my confidants are in unison, I am just shocked at how they could all be so wrong in the exact same way. <laughs> well, and the, there's uh, another uncomfortable thing is the, the idea that we can internally process. Yeah. Um, and internal process, is, it's really it's just me um, washing my feelings through my own dirty water, like through my own story. You know, if, if, I've, if, I've, if a certain type of person scares me or a certain type of situation scares me, um, I'm just washing it through of like, of course, like draw back, you know, be safe, you know. Um, but if I share, I can get a different perspective. Um, going back to the ocean, um, I don't know what it's like to almost drown. I haven't had that experience. I do know what it's like to be really afraid. And I do know what I do when I'm really afraid. And, it, and so I haven't had the same experience with him but now I'm invited to connect with him deeper of like, hey, this is what I do when I'm really afraid. Um, was it like that for you? Mm -hmm. uh, like, this is what came up in me. It's like we're in a, de we're in a deeper relationship with one another around our feelings. Yeah. When I have uh, broken relationships with people, um, again, I'm going to go back to something my predecessor, Rick Eford, who I have a deep relationship with. One of the things that he has frequently said to me is that the presenting problem is rarely the problem. That the thing that we're, that we're looking at, right, the thing that I'm blaming for the rupture in our relationship is rarely actually what's going on beneath the surface, right? So, true uh, in church and true in therapy. Yeah. So you, you just think about, like, like I, I, I'm just thinking about relationships within our church family, and, and we're going like, to come through your front door, and, and we're going we're gonna to get in your medicine cabinet right now. Um, politics, mm. uh, face masks. Anthony and Fauci and all that business, um, uh, 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 the, 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 the racial injustices and the cries out for justice, public demonstrations, what people, uh, athletes do, kneeling or not kneeling, like, like that's a thing that's happening outside of me. And when someone, when I'm in relationship with, shares an opinion or a conviction about the thing that I don't disagree, that I don't agree with, my temptation is to cancel them. Mm-hmm. Because that makes me uncomfortable. It is, is it really true, Chandler, that the reason that our relationship, my relationship with this person is broken is because of political convictions? Is that really the reason? It is not the reason. Go on. <laughs> so, and 
um, couples therapy, um, kind of couples therapy one-on-one, uh, one-on-one is uh, when you do this, I feel this. It's not about the, the action of doing. It's, again, it's about the feeling. When somebody kneels or doesn't kneel, I feel this. And my, and my, and my story is, is also going to shape that, like where I come from, what that means to me. Um, but if I see something and I deem not safe, not okay, not on the team, like I've severed the ability to have relationship. I've severed the ability to have depth. Um, our relationship, Caleb is the first person that invited me into something different. Um, when I came here, um, disagreements and conflict um, meant somebody le- left less than, um, somebody left hurt. Um, we didn't want to do disagreement because of, of, that meant fight. Um, and so there was going to be some either internal or external violence. And Caleb was the first person that invited me into disagreement. He loves to debate. He loves to, um, but he wasn't debating to, to, do, to do power with me. I'm right or I'm wrong or you're on my team or not on my team. He was debating for truth. And he knew that my differing opinion would help him and refine his truth. And we could find this truth together. And we would, at, at the end of an evening, have debated and be on the other side of something. And he did something nobody else had ever done. He said, you're still a part of. Like nothing you did or said means that you've got to leave. Um, and that was a re-educational experience for me. Um, and so, yeah, I have, I have sadness of, of, of a division um, when I've known uh, through the relationship I've lived, like it's also an opportunity if I'm willing to talk about what's going on inside of me, um, if I'm willing to be vulnerable. And there's also a sadness of like we talked about earlier, sometimes that's not available to us. Yeah, um, yeah and so my encouragement uh, to you, there's one of my favorite uh, portions of Scripture, which I don't know if you're allowed to do that or not, um, but it's one of my favorites, right? Uh, it's Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill or carry out the law of Jesus. And the law of Jesus is love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And when we bear one another's burdens, the thing, the, the, there's a, Chandler believes so much stupid stuff <laughs> that's insufferable to me. I can't believe he could be so wrong. I, because of our relationship, I care, I bear that with him. And so when we uh, argue or debate, my end game, hopefully, our, our end game is not to conquer, but to collaborate for each other's health to move forward, right? When we're arguing with someone, we're having, we're, we're confronting an issue together with one another, the, the objective is not to conquer the other person, but rather to collaborate with the other person towards a shared health. And I'll just, I'll give you something that I think is demonic in our world today. You just, you go on a news site and how many of the headlines read like this? This group totally destroys this group. And it's based on a political disagreement, an economic disagreement, uh, a national disagreement. It's this group destroying this group. And so we've ended up adopting the spirit of the age when we're disagreeing with someone in our family or our friendship circle. We've adopted the spirit of the age, which says, when we disagree, I have to own them. I have to destroy them. But when we confront, it's, and you, you've shared this, we've, you taught me this, that it's both of our heads. Uh, we actually debated whether or not we should illustrate it, but that's <laughs> not something we're going to do right now. Where we put our heads together and we look down at the shared thing. Yeah, the, the etymology of that word comes from the idea that two people would place their, their heads together to look at a problem together. 
um, not divided. Um, so they're looking at the same thing. They're looking. This thing is between us in relationship. Again, my story around confrontation meant that you know somebody needed to go away. I needed to hide. Um, and my relearning and my recovery is that um, this thing is between us. I feel this about it. I don't want it between us. Like, what do I need to do to be with you? This, this is an effort to be with you. I, I lead group therapy for men. It can be a very intimidating experience because we invite, we invite them to confront each other. Um, we invite them to confront, like, what are the things that are in the way of you being fully present in this group? And the things that are in the way are their feelings. Um, stir it up around their stories. Scripture says in Proverbs, um, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens the other. And it's, it's this area of, of confrontation, right? You don't get a sharpening without confrontation. Proverbs 27, 6 says, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy. That when a friend does surgery on me, those wounds, those are good. Those are healthy. Those are trustworthy. And the reason I don't want to do it is because it hurts. Uh, but it's for my good, and it ends up leading to our flourishing. It's one of the gifts of emotions and how God has wired us. And so I um, just want to kind of end with this, and we're going to pick this conversation back up next week. Again, please uh, send in your questions. We'd love to incorporate them into uh, our talk next week and then also the workshop on June 2nd. Uh, I want to encourage you with this. Hebrews four fifteen and 16 says, We do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet is without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find power to help us in the time of need. Uh, in these broken spaces, in these broken places, in these broken relationships, we can take them to Jesus. And so however you're feeling right now, whatever you're doing with this conversation, many of us are maybe feeling tempted to just put a wall around and say, I don't want to engage this. I want to encourage you what Chandler says, be curious about that. And actually take it to the Lord and process it there. We can approach the throne of grace and receive mercy. And maybe even take it to Jesus. Jesus, what, why am I feeling this way about talking about feelings? Or why do I feel this way when other people talk about feelings? Or why do I feel this way when this word gets said or that word gets said? I believe that the spirit of the living God is alive and at work in all who call on and follow after Jesus. And he gives us the power and strength to do it. So just a couple of quick next steps. One, join us next week as we continue the conversation. Two, we've got a workshop coming up on June 2nd. And three, uh, Chandler shared this with me earlier and I want to share it with you. Um, Not that you need it, but we want to give you permission to not do anything just yet. For many of us, there may be a temptation to be like, I need to make a phone call right now. I need to go talk to this person right now. And it may be, that may be the case, but more often than not, God's calling us to sit and to pray and reflect upon and and to be curious about what he's doing inside of us in and through our emotions. And so just live curiously. Be a human being, not a human doing. Um, This is slow, gentle work. I I believe feelings are the... um, the awful and gentle grace of God of helping me work and move my heart into a place of more fullness. Um, And I want that work to be gentle within me. I I don't want it to be violent. Um, So there's a permission here and an invitation to just sit with with what comes up um, and not do anything with it. Thank you, Chandler. You guys thank Chandler for being here.
Uh, I'm going to invite the band to come out. We know that this is a very, very difficult conversation for many of us. There's just a flood of emotion, and for others of us, maybe even just a coldness and an emptiness, and regardless of where you're at, uh, I, I think I've been in similar places um, in my time, oftentimes in those very seats, uh, as I've grown um, in this space and in this church family, a lot of what Chandler said about Desert Springs, I, I resonate. And so you have, you, you are most welcome here, regardless of where you're at with this conversation. But I want to invite you into uh, asking the Lord to guide you in this moment and asking in such a way that you expect him to move. That the spirit of God is alive and at work within you and that you would be curious, but also in hopeful expectation that he may reveal something to you. And so uh, we're going to sing... Um, and I'm going to ask that you would remain seated just for a moment and that you would hear the words sung because it's not by our own might or power that we find reconciled relationships. It's by the very power of the risen Christ, by the power of his spirit. And so we're going we're to listen to the words of this song and I want to encourage you to receive it as a prayer over you.